0: Helping others to help themselves was a, great, a greater gain than what I thought that I was doing just for myself. So I recognized and realized that I needed to help other people to help themselves if I was going to live in the world and get some help from people. And so that's what I thought, that helping people to help themselves so that they could help me.
1: Welcome to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges.
2: Stigma-Free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org, and donations are always welcome at the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org slash donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Zone Podcast. Here's today's segment.
0: Just visit to see it. Oh,
1: I'd love to see it. it, it yeah. Really, it sounds as if uh, for both the audience and the participants, this is a, a profound uh, experience and very powerful.
0: Yes, it is. Yep. Yes, it is very powerful. Yes,
1: Charlie, what a what a just a joy to meet you. I th- I want to thank you for um, spending some time with us today and and your uh, and your generosity of sharing so many things that are really so close to you. And I'm sure not uh, it's not easy to do that. I, I appreciate your strength and your courage for choosing to do that with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you. If I might add and say is that to, I have to remove stuff to let stuff in. I have to, I have to, if in the summertime, if I kept on all the winter clothes that I have on in the wintertime, I would never be able to, my body would never be able to experience the warmthness of the natural heat. So that's what happens when you close with all of your personal problems and things, that you keep it all inside, you never really get a chance to experience something outside of you other than yourself. And when we let go of ourselves, we are letting go so that others can come in and help us with the things we can't change and help with wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And so, so that's my thing, and I I just like to add as a sideline is that if on uh, at St. John's on uh, uh, on Greenfield Avenue on the 14th we will be there uh, going through what the Feast of Crispians is all about, what our plans are, how are we are going to uh, maneuver into this next production. If anybody got out uh, there listening has some acting skills or they think they do or don't doesn't matter. <laughs> and they can just come, and they can get a, a a bird's eye view of what we're doing
1: as the Feast of Christmas. Very good. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. Our guest today was Charlie Walton, the Vietnam veteran and U.S. Marine. He served from 1968 to uh, 72, and uh, shared with us some just wonderful story—a story of perseverance, and hope, and faith, certainly. And I want to take this opportunity to remind listeners that if you are a veteran or military family member in crisis, call 800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 255. Thanks to our audience for joining us today for this segment of the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Our show is made possible by grants from foundations who <clears throat> wish to remain anonymous and from donations from our listeners. And thanks to our producer and editor, Carrie Wheaton. On behalf of Mike Orban, this is Bob Bach. All right, Charlie, we're going to stop there. I'm going to call Mike and have him stop the tape in one second. All right. I just got to do something with my phone so it's back in service. (laughs) Uh, And uh, let's see here. All right. There, let me give him a buzz. Okay. Uh, Orman. Whoops. There he is. Good. No. <clears throat> well, do thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Our guest today is Charlie Walton. Charlie was born and raised in Mississippi. He was 18 when he enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps in 1968. Following boot camp at Paris Island in South Carolina, Charlie was sent to Vietnam and served there as an infantryman until 1969, uh, 1972, and eventually made his way to Milwaukee, which is where he joins us from today. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, We want to touch on what's been a fascinating uh, journey for you. I mean, Mississippi to uh, South Carolina, of course, Vietnam, California for a period of time, and now Milwaukee. uh, Maybe best, uh, right off the top, it strikes me um, because I too served in Vietnam and at uh, the same time and ironically, from the conversations you and I have had in some of the very same places. But uh, the point that strikes me is it's more than 50 years ago that uh, we conducted our service there. Does it seem that long to you?
0: No, no, it really doesn't. It's it's a a great privilege and a pleasure to have served and still be here to talk about it, have enough uh, mindset to re-remember those things that we've gone through over 50 plus years ago. And I think that at our age, that is a positive situation to be in.
1: Indeed. In fact, uh, let me right off the bat uh, say, welcome home to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your service
1: also. Well, I appreciate that. Do you remember what you thought upon first getting to Vietnam, whether it was what it, sense of smell or sight or whatever or other things that noticed you noticed right off the bat
0: well yes on the airplane from uh okinawa uh, i experienced with my colleagues uh a lot of young marines was gung ho we thought we were going into a situation where we would have much fun but that soon turned after we landed in denang city uh we was Chippewa, everybody's singing uh, Ain't No Need of Going Home, Jody's Got Your Girl In Gone, those type of uh, <laughs> songs. And so we thought that we were about to go into something that will be a piece of cake. Uh, what we have been trained and what we understood from the process was, uh, I like to say that as a word, but at this particular time after getting there, uh, it was a rude awakening, coming off the airplane, getting unloading the airplane before we get to anywhere, anything. Get our gear. We encounter a sniper in the trees, uh, shooting, to, and and every now and then firing off a round, covered the plane there for about eight nine hours. Uh, what strikes me the most about that, what really awakened me to what I was really into was we was walking down the plane uh, the steps off of the airplane, and I guess they I'm about maybe eight to ten steps from the ground, and right in the front of me, uh, the lieutenant was walking down, and he took around right in the chest, and he died right there instantly and first time I'd ever seen death, first time I'd ever experienced anything of that nature, I froze. And so the guys were behind me. They come and push me. And we were there for about eight hours before we could uh, be secured to move. They sent out a reconnaissance team to get the sniper. After about eight hours, they got him. And then we proceeded to our area that where we would receive our gear, ammo, gun, and all of that information.
1: Well, needless to say, at age 18, this experience that you've just mentioned, and I'm sure ones immediately after that made you grow up pretty quickly, didn't they?
0: Yes, sir. Moments. <laughs> yes. It, may, it scared me into a a a fear that you ever had a, a, a line of demartation, demartation. Uh, I was straddled that line. I was uh, there and I wasn't there. My mind was so afraid that I straddled across and the, the only thing that I could recognize and realize within myself is that I have to get home again. And that was my energy and my effort. I, along with prior to me going to Vietnam or even being in the Marine Corps, my mother had died uh, about a year earlier. And so I was kind of stricken with that. And then when I saw that, it's kind of struck me again. So I had like three major traumas hit me all at once and it put me in a place of like in the middle of the road. I'm scared, but I'm not scared. I'm, I'm so, fear, I'm so fearful of, of life uh, slipping away from me until I saw erred on the side of. So I was in the process of a situation that it was scared me and to stand alive. So I, I recognized in that beginning, all of what I had in me had to come forth. And I was I was brought up a, a Christian, a person that goes to church and wasn't really interested in going. But at that moment, at that moment, I I had this vision of my mother sitting on my right shoulder. She's dead, but I could see her face every time I'm in great danger. I could feel her presence and I could just feel her firefight from then on every time I get into a death and life situation it seemed like my mother would always appear on my right shoulder and just look at me and nothing I never caught a bullet I never only thing I got out of Vietnam was athletic feet and PTSD post-traumatic stress
1: It's an amazing uh, spiritual experience uh, that you're describing. So the motivation for you, um, survival, it sounds like, and yet you had this uh, almost spiritual force in the form of your mom that was helping carry you forth.
0: That was so much, so much. That was my energy and my effort that helped me to be able to withstand that process of, life living and the pursuit to live and mm-hmm. I I I recognize uh, when I was a little boy about five years old my mother took me everywhere she went whatever she went she'd always say come on Charlie you go with me and I would hang out with her in the little restaurants I never forget this probably only thing I do remember I was eating some fish and I was eating I used to eat real fast and I I got a bone trapped in my throat and I started gagging and her and her girlfriends got up and shelved some bread down my throat and got me back right again. And she slapped me on my head and said, stop eating so fast, boy. <laughs> that's, the, that's some of the good news. But But she, I really feel in my soul and in my heart, spiritually motivated to come home while she was there coaching me along the way. I always felt between her and God, they was protecting me.
1: That's an amazing story. The, uh, of course, you survived Vietnam, as you mentioned, and and were fortunate enough to uh, not be wounded physically with the exception of the issue with the feet. Um, But emotionally, that, that was a different story, wasn't it? Did some of all these that you experienced with PTSD uh, those come on immediately after you came home or did it uh, build up for a period of time?
0: It built, it built up for quite a period of time. I think initially coming home, it wasn't really settled in as to what was wrong or what was right or what was good or bad. Or indifference. As a African American man, I came home to a lot of uh, uh, prejudice, a lot of uh, 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 looking down at you. You you can't do this, or you can't do that, or you don't supposed to be here, or you don't supposed to be there. So I I looked at that as a learning curve, a process of trying to. I I utilize the energy that I brought me home. I utilize that energy to combat mentally within my mind that I am just I am somebody. I I I am just as good as you are, just because your complexion is different from mine. Even lighter lighter skinned black people uh had some partiality toward my thinking. And so I I took that in a consideration and I didn't look at it right or wrong. I looked at it as survival. And as I continue to utilize the same thing that I learned in Vietnam and coming through the process of trying to stay alive and live, I understood that life, liberty, and the pursuit of it, that's what everybody was trying to do based on their understanding of where they was at. So I kind of got into the mindset to try and understand rather than take it as a negatory and pushing me back or pushing me down. So I took the humble road to the process. And, and I guess some ways I'm still trying, I'm still denying myself of who I really am, what I am and how I am. I, I've met, I've met several uh, ladies that I was very interested in, been married four times, shacking two times. And I lately run across the lady that, helps me to build my self-esteem, help me to understand that I am somebody and that I'm not uh, just a, a big head boy with buck teeth and, <laughs> and not, not attractive. So, and she teach, helps me with that process and I'm very thankful for her allowing me to, to be able to see that part of me, help me to see that part of me.
1: There's no question that uh, virtually all Vietnam veterans uh, were subject to some form of discrimination when they returned home, people calling them names or spitting on them in some worst-case uh, scenarios and things because of misunderstandings about that conflict. But what you're describing is is just a – it's a double punch here. You had the discrimination of being a Vietnam veteran, you and then you had this, of course um, – uh, um, just decades-old discrimination of being an African-American man, a minority person, what was then a majority world. And and um, facing that at the same time, I just, to an outsider looking in, what you're describing sounds remarkably suffocating. I think it's uh, just exceptional that you were even able to breathe and continue putting one step in front of the other.
0: Very much, very much so. and And doing so, the uh survival of the fittest uh, helped me to understand that I can be successful in what I was doing. I didn't rec I, in school. I didn't realize that how much I needed to have listened to what was being taught. But I learned a lot on my own. I i i i got a lot a great deal of mother wit they call it. And so when I really learned how to count especially with my finances, I would count in a numerical backwards manner. If I had $100, I considered myself only having $25. And I would use the rest of it to make more money with. And, you know, I, I, I came up with a lot of different plans that I don't want to discuss on the air in regards to my experience. But I made a really decent life and lifestyle. I, I, I got myself in a position that I got financially stable. I was able to make good decisions based on my ability to, to accept the things I couldn't change and pray the wisdom, the understanding, to know the difference. And so with that in my forefront of my mindset and my thought, I accumulated a nice little uh, portfolio for myself financially, and and uh, I I don't say that it came easily, but it came with a cost. And toward the journey, trying to survive, I by 2000 by the year of 2000, post traumatic stress set in on me, kind of dearly, dearly. I done misused, abused a lot of people, and things done come home to, and uh, come home to rest. Every things done come to set with me as my life and my lifestyle. And so I had to begin that process, two boys and two girls. I loved to death, <laughs> and maybe that's literally, but they have, uh, they was my inspiration, my joy, and I never could have a relationship with them because of my attitude toward their mothers and because of my ability to uh, be successful at what I was doing. And all the time, I didn't know how to spell success. Successful was for me, was me taking that I wanted. And I did. And so, and then that protection of the life that I lived and the type of life that I lived, I saw that same God sitting on my shoulder, uh, helping me. My mother wasn't quite so there back in the world. When I, but I saw the protection that allowed me to get through. And then I guess about 40 years ago, maybe 40 plus years ago, I'm 72 now, I I learned that helping others to help themselves was a a greater gain than what I thought that I was doing just for myself. So I recognized and realized that I needed to help other people to help themselves if I was going to live in the world and get some help from people. And so that's what I thought that helping people to help themselves so that they could help me as I get older and do the things that I did. So that's changed my personality, my thought about what I was doing and how I was doing it. And so here I am today, I'm set 72 years old. I found that life and the liberty is really the pursuit of happiness. And that's what I'm looking, trying to accomplish. That's what my new friend keep trying to pump in my head. Just be happy. Don't worry about nothing. Just be happy. And so the VA hospital uh, have really given me a good guideline to go with toward that end. I managed to get through that system uh, using the same process by helping people to help themselves and meaning the doctor, the psychiatrist, the, the nurse and nurse practitioner and the social worker. When I really I got the understanding of what they were really trying to do, they was really trying to help me, not because I was a black man, not because I was uh, so good or so bad, but they really reached out to me and we all developed
1: working chatted before today just to get to know one another and in those conversations i learned that you uh after discharge in 1972 spent some time in school in los angeles and ultimately came to milwaukee opened a series of of gas stations here even opened a a training institute uh, and, and was highly successful in those endeavors until roughly two thousand used or abused drugs and, and had uh, the after effects of of that almost tragically uh, and then, as you've mentioned the PTSD, let me ask you about the the stress component. What form did that take what how did it how did you first recognize that? The stress that you were feeling wasn't what might be normally associated just with business or worries and woes, et cetera, but was something larger than that, and and maybe was stemming from Vietnam. Were there flashbacks? Were there feelings, thoughts, smells? Just what were, uh, what was the environment that you were experiencing when you first recognized that the post-war stress was an issue in your life?
0: well wow, that's a good question and thanks for asking they were with my sons and and in that process they saw me as a bad bad person and in that process of looking at that i began to try to figure out what's really causing my problem so as i look back over i realized that i wasn't at that place trying to raise my kids as a man i was at that place trying to raise my kid as a broken person, as a person that had no idea where all of those thoughts and emotions was coming from. From that point, I meet a gentleman that works with the BA as a, a representative a representative for post-traumatic stress veterans, uh, helping them to find their. And I went to him. Uh, they had a place on, uh, like, about... Uh, 27th and State Street. And I went in I went in there and I saw this guy and he sat me down. He just began to talk to me. He said, You know, Charlie, I think something else is wrong with you other than just your children. He said, Something else is, is your because I can tell the way you're forgetting how you're talking and then you're going back and forth. Then your anger. I I said, Well, what do you think? I, I need some help, man. I, you know, I'm I am i do lost. I don't lost three or four ways. I don't got myself in a crazy position. And so he said, you know what? I'd, I'd like for you to go over to the VA hospital and see Dr. Anderson. I can't think of Dr. Anderson's first name, but Dr. Anderson, I called him my drug dealer. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was past meds. And so he would recommend certain different medications for me. But he allowed me to get the meds and take them. And then if they worked for me, they worked. If they didn't, he would come back and he would switch up. And we went through that for about three years or so, switching up meds and trying to get. And so he finally got me on some meds that were helping me to cope with my past and not just my children, but taking me back through the Vietnam process. And so as I continued that listening to him and then uh, I, I meet some other are doctors there, uh, specifically, I won't go into all the ones that I, that I irritated and they put me out the office, but I won't go into those. But the one that really helped me was uh, Dr. Shana Fuller. She just come up out of uh, Freedom Medical College and she had been at the VA about a couple of three years. And some they put all of us in a room at the VA and they were trying to figure out how to help us veterans associate with the doctors so we can get the care. Uh, So they put all of us in a room, the doctors, the veterans, the social workers, and we had a chance to dialogue with each other without being in a a professional uh, Mm -hmm. setting. And so I, I chose Dr. Shana Fuller for my psychiatrist. I chose Kim Fisher for my social worker. And I chose uh, Dr. Anderson for, for my uh, medical. And so that process began to turn me around. When I was able, I started that. And I've been doing that now for the last 14 years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the same people in the same process, Dr. Anderson has retired. But at the same time, I think he got me to a place where I could cope with me. So to answer your question more directly is that when I started to recognize and realize that I did have a problem and then I was trying to do something about it. So those people that I alienated after Vietnam, they was getting the wrath of something that I had that they didn't even know about or could not understand. And so these people helped me to form a whole different train of thought, a whole different way of of talking uh, and expressing myself. I'm still working on that, but uh, they taught me how to accept some things I can't change. And then the wisdom and understanding to know the difference. I guess that from my Christian experience, my church experience. And I take all of that and I put it together and I get it to work for me. Am I healed yet? No. Am I still working towards it? Yes, but I've come a long ways. I've come a long ways to allow myself the individual effort and the collective effort to be able to fit back into society and have a pretty decent life. So I take my hat off, my heart off to the VA hospital, to the staff that works there and the Lord that I serve, the church that I attend. And I've come to understand some things that I know that without that combination, I will fail. And I know that if I keep that up, I will succeed. So I, the, the the spirituality and the Christ-like uh, experience taught me how to anchor myself so that I can receive a lot of the other things that other people have to offer me. So I come to understand that we are all in this together. No matter what side of your on, what color you are, we're all in this together. And if we don't help each other to help ourselves, we're going to find ourselves in a great, great, big old problem that when nobody is going to be able to solve. We're going to be like coronavirus. <laughs> okay.
1: No laughing matter. No. So, excuse me <clears throat> When you uh, hold it <clears throat> when you uh... my goodness Yes, go
0: ahead. no problem. Take your time to be. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow.
1: When you first <clears throat> to the clinic that you mentioned,
0: <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: was that scary?
0: asking for Well, that. I was in a place where I needed to help so badly mm-hmm. until fear wasn't an option for me. Uh, it, was, it was survival. It was survival. because I was on the edge of losing my mind. I was on the edge of, of finding myself in a place that I could not come back from. And I, it's a whole nother story in the process of my drug abuse my use of uh, various of people, places, my use of that brought me to a place that if I had not made some changes, there would be no return. And so I didn't have no other options but to accept what I had. I knew what I needed, but I didn't know how to get it. And I had people point me in the direction to go to get it. I, what what I did not mention to you all that and I don't mind talking about it, I poisoned my system with PCP. They call it angel dust uh, on the street. But I had to, the ability uh, from 4th of July until Labor Day. I smoked PCB. PCB, that was uh, embalming fluid that I smoked it every day from from the fly till Labor Day, I poisoned my nervous system. And the police picked me up and put me on the third floor for about four months. And I come to a place where I could read the letter, sign it and get out of that place. And so that fear was embedded in me that if I go any other direction than where I'm going, I'll wind up back there. And that was my biggest fear, not to wind up back there. And I share that. I share that because it has helped me. And I believe very truly my people to help themselves is key to me. And that's why I'll tell my story. I don't have, I don't hold back many stories that I that have helped me along the way, because I think if it helped me, and I thought I was the lowest of the lowest. And if it helped me, I thought that just by telling it to other people, it will help them also.
1: Let me ask you directly, Charlie, given the experiences that you've had, and in fact, the experiences that you continue to have in, really, this is a journey of that you're describing to us. When you, and you can, I'm, I'm guessing here that your ABEs people, that is other veterans or maybe military family members, that are having struggles. And if they approach you and ask you, well, Charlie, you, you seem to be doing okay. What can I do? If they reach out, what do you tell them?
0: Well, I, I first off, <laughs> that's a very good question, and I'm happy to try to give my answer to it. What I would tell them is that, first of all, you you got to first be honest with yourself. You have to admit that you have a problem. And now, if we can get past that, then you can get the help that you need. The people at the VA, the people in these hospitals, various, they are not going to be able to help you if you don't give them the real trouble that you're having. You can't go in their line thinking that you're going to get past them by, uh, you might get a patch on a sore for a little while, but it's going to come back to haunt you. And if you want to really get some help to hear, you got to be honest with yourself, first of all. And then can't nobody help you until you get honest with yourself. That's what I would tell them. And now that you want to be honest with yourself, walk it out. Go to wherever that you got, if you need to go to church, if you need to gay, or if you need to go to the hospital. But you got to find that place within yourself. And you already know your problem but you ain't telling the truth about it. That's what I would tell. Be honest with yourself and face you and then put yourself on the line and put out if you won't help. That's the only way that you're going to get it. I don't, you can be deal with the smartest doctors in the world, the smartest nurses, but if you don't help, if you don't put yourself out there in the place to be helped, you're not going to do no good for yourself. So that's my story.
1: Do you think that that inner strength that you're describing is required for before a person gets honest, they, I would guess, they need to find this strength inside themselves. Do people naturally have the strength that it takes to do that, do you think?
0: I, I, I think that no matter what we have been through, we naturally are able to survive anything that we come up against, no matter what it is. And it's naturally there. Because I don't feel that, I don't think that we can do anything unless we have the ability to do it. And so if we can be able to find that inner core and get and muster that, we can be able to do it. So here's some things that I have issues with. Yes, it's some things that I still wrestle with, but I recognize that. Until I look inside of me, I'm going to continue to have that problem. You know, you know what my real problem is today? I'm jealous. I'm a jealous man. And that's because I think that someone else has something better than I do. But I am learning from my newfound friend is that, Charlie, you have what you have and I have what I have. If you work yours and I work mine, we'll come out with something that'll be doubly strong. <laughs> are, are you married, or may I ask? Are you yes, married?
1: I am yes. married. Yeah.
0: And so, and so, I'm not. I've been, I've been married, I've been married four times, and I've shagged two times. and And the person that I'm uh, interested in around now, we're trying to work this out. And so, to answer your question to that to find you and wherever that you find you at, that's gonna be the piece of you that you can stand on to propel you to build from that point on. So yes, I to answer your question, yes, we have the strength. We have the internal core to succeed anything that we come up against, but we have to recognize it, apply ourselves, and expect it to come to pass.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about having, uh, in order to find hope, before that you need to have that faith in yourself to find the hope that that will carry you forth. You know, these words, it's funny, the point that I'm leading up to here is whether for people in service, a lot of times words are just thrown around. Words like bravery and and honor and and what have you. And in life, words like faith and hope, they're kind of thrown around. But mm-hmm. what you've discovered in your life is that uh, honor, Uh, can be a motivator and it's more than a word faith and hope are more than words these are ways of life so in a way they are very strong actions that as you've described can lead a person from one place that is is dark into a place that's light
0: right exactly that's that's you know there's no intermission Mm -hmm. Hear, hear this well this well that is it's there's no intermission between death and life they happens at the same time no matter what it is that you're doing you're gonna die to one thing and you're gonna live to another and that's the finality that we all live in when when we were born now i'm gonna throw this at you You y'all can cut this out if you like but this When we are born into this world, we begin a journey on our way to death. We've been told that we are living on our way to die, But we, one day I was one year old. Today I'm 72 years old. I can't do what I was doing at one And I can't do at one what I do at 72. So I'm on my way to live forever. Once I make that transition, after 92, that's my year. I'm going to live till I'm 92. (laughs) And, (laughs) And at 92, I'll begin a life journey back to where I came from. And I will live forever after I make that 92. I know it took me a while, but it wrapped that around my mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But through the process of life living in the pursuit of it, I've come to understand that I'm dying every day on my way to live forever. And so in that process of thought, I find myself is that I can overcome anything that comes at me during the course of one year old to 92 because it comes to make me better and not bitter Uh everything is a teacher you're learning either what to do or what not to do and in that process of walking through the valley of the shadows of death fearing no evil for thou art with me thy rod and that staff comfort me all the days of my life and i shall dwell (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so that's that's my energy and my effort for to do what I do. Yes, uh, I, I, it touches my heart to talk about it, but it also touches my heart with joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, my tears used to be pain, but now I cry because it's pleasure. I cry because it feels good. So I didn't know that it was feeling good when I was crying in pain. I, I, I'm i just, when I cry, joy comes out of me, helps me to, and it ain't just a relieving pressure. It's the happiness and the joy that I've come to the knowledge of the truth about me. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important
1: truth I can come to
0: in this life.
1: Charlie, you're an inspirational character. I, I really am so happy that we've had, an opportunity to get to know you a little bit here today on the experiences of war by
2: michael orbin on behalf of michael orbin bob bach and aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us and please tune in again Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, orbanfoundationforveterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-free Vet Zone Podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, Orbanfoundationforveterans.org. While you’re there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.